And a very good evening, a very warm welcome to another Big Kickoff Tennis podcast. I'm delighted to say I have not one, not two, but three tennis experts uh, join me today, which is an absolute pleasure. Hopefully a couple more people will be coming live uh, on the line as we speak as well. But first of all, so very good evening to Great Britain tennis player Alicia Barnett. Uh, good evening to you, Alicia. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, yourself? Yeah, good, good. Good. Uh, I've also got all the way from somewhere that's a hell of a lot warmer than what it is over here in uh, colder England at the moment. Head coach from Team Bath. Also, he's been working with uh, Liam Brody and Marcus Daniel as well. He's also an author as well as an excellent coach, it has to be said. It's David Samuel. Uh, good evening to you, David. Good evening. Good to be How, here. Yeah. How's things? Yeah. Uh, can't complain. It's, uh, it's been a good few weeks, really. Great. We'll so, come on to what you've been doing very, very shortly. And last but by no means least, uh, freelance tennis commentator. Uh, she does a huge amount of blogging. Excellent uh, writer as well. I'm so pleased to have Abigail Johnson as well on the show. Uh, good evening to you, Abigail. Good evening to you and, and thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. No, it's an absolute pleasure. How's things? Yeah, going well. Going well. Just used to the lockdown life by now. So just rolling with it. <laughs> I think we all are actually yeah um let's quickly start with uh um Alicia or Lizzie is she what <coughs> should we call you Lizzie, Lizzie yeah 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 let's go with Lizzie that, that's because... what everyone calls me yeah 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 that's what I thought Lizzie to my yeah, face yeah. anyway all right as long as you don't mind that it's brilliant <laughs> um I mentioned about Great Britain tennis player now you've had an interesting summer it has to be said isn't it obviously we've all had to cope with lockdown etc as well but uh you played at the Battle of the Brits too. Uh, also, you were on the Progress Tour as well. How did all of those events go for you? Yeah, I think it was um, a really good summer for British tennis in general. Um, especially like, after lockdown, we had a lot of tournaments to look forward to and we were just inundated with competitions and just a huge amount of ex exposure for British tennis, which was amazing. Um, and the Progress Tour went... Uh, really really well um, had just saw like the depth of women's tennis and I just thought it was amazing to see like all these tennis players that you probably haven't even heard of and coming out of the cracks and it was it was really like it was quite um, yeah it was a really good sight to see um, and obviously for, my, for myself it went pretty well so uh, that was a fun week for me um, and then Battle of the Brits was just uh, it was a really amazing experience and just that team event as well I think I hope there'll be more of that in the future because I, I know there's a lot of people have fed back that a team event was just really exciting especially for like the public um to get on board with and root for the jacks <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no it was good <laughs> obviously you missed Wimbledon and all the other events understandably so but you know, it's, it has been one of those disruptive years, hasn't it, really? And, it, you know, as a, as a shall we say, up-and-coming tennis player that you are, it has, you've had to adapt in so many different ways, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I think lockdown, you could take it two ways. And I'm, I think a lot of tennis players did take advantage of the fact that we are usually on the road and we don't get to spend much time with our families um, or at home in our own beds. So... That, that was actually a, a little bit of a welcome break to, to begin with. And you don't tend to get uh, training blocks 
and of course you don't get access to the, like the normal gyms and stuff but uh in general you kind of have to make the best out of like a tricky situation and um fortunately i think british tennis did up like step, step up in that and put on some amazing tournaments um and hopefully towards now that the tour's back on hopefully it will um continue in that direction brilliant i'll come back to you shortly uh just quickly move on yeah. to david david um I mentioned earlier in the introduction, obviously, head coach of Team Bath. I know you've been working uh, intensely with uh, Liam Brody and, of course, uh, Marcus Daniel as well. How's, how has everything been going for you the last few months? Um, well, uh, you know, naturally, I basically didn't coach anybody. Uh, I, I did a couple of sessions uh, after the main lockdown with uh, Luke Johnson, who's a player at Bath as well, and he lives uh, near me up north. But apart from those uh, uh, three sessions, uh, I didn't really step on a tennis court from sort of middle of March towards the end of March. Uh, I got back from from Indian Wells, literally just before the lockdown and, uh, and, and didn't really go back to uh, the court until August, sort of late August. Uh, and then I had uh, a couple of weeks of bath in early September. And then, uh, then I went with Liam to the French Open. Uh, actually, no, that's a lie. I went to uh, Trieste in Italy with Liam as a, as a warm-up tournament. And then, uh, and then we went to the French Open and that turned out pretty well because he qualified for his first Grand Slam. Played a really good match against Vesley first round. Uh, and then uh, came here to Alicante where it was really important for him to sort of back up the French. Uh, and he qualified and won a round and unfortunately lost today. Uh, had a very strange stat of winning five out of 20 game points. So just couldn't seem to mm. two out of 14 break points. So just the, the, the a few important points that he needed to win just did not fall his way today. Either the guy playing really well or Liam missing, but overall the trajectory is really good. Uh, I also did the French open with Marcus Daniel they had a really tough draw first round, him and Oswald. They lost to Bruno Suarez and Pavic, who just won US Open and made finals of French. And to be quite honest, uh, the first set that Pavic and Suarez played is probably the best set of doubles I've ever seen. Uh, they were absolutely on fire and, and really amazing. Uh, and Bruno returned incredibly well and... Uh, uh, which I'd seen him earlier in the year in, in South America. And, and I, had a, I have to say, I thought maybe his career was done because he, he couldn't buy a return. Uh, but yeah, if you're a great player, they can always come back. And, uh, uh, but I do believe in the final, he, he struggled with his return again. But, but he, he's definitely played, uh, played very well that match. Uh, and uh, Marcus is in semi-finals this week in uh, in Sardinia, so he's back on track. Two good talents there, isn't it? Really? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, Marcus has obviously been up there for quite a while, but for doubles, uh, he's still quite young. And uh, and Liam, I think, is just coming into his own now. Abigail, um, 
before we start talking about the French Open and various other issues, <laughs> um, it, as I've been saying to the guys and girls, uh, it has been a tough few months uh, for everybody concerned, whether you're a player, whether you're media, whether you're coaching, etc. as well. How do you think everything has developed overall in the last few months? Are we talking in tennis terms here? In, in tennis terms, terms yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, I'm surprised at where we are now, to be honest with you, because at the beginning of things back in March, um, I thought it was going to be a, a lot quicker over and done with with the whole coronavirus thing. And I thought, oh, if we give it a few weeks, you know, maybe we'll be back on the road yeah. for the grass court season, which is, of course, one of the best parts of the season. So we were looking forward to that. But um you know, as the weeks went on, it looked more and more unlikely to me that we would actually get tennis back on the road this season. And I thought, you know, with different restrictions in various countries, um, players that aren't able to travel, you know, the, the safety aspects of running tournaments, I, I began to think, hey, maybe we won't have international events until 2021, which was a crazy thought at first, but I kind of got used to it. I thought various countries, including Lissy mentioned Battle of the Brits, you know, have done really well in the meantime to get tournaments up and running inside different countries so that players there are supported financially and they get the match play as well that they need. Um, but obviously not every country has the depth that we have in Great Britain. So um, it, it would have been hard, I think, if that had gone on for a prolonged period of time for the months that it was up and running. I thought it worked really well. Uh, I was able to commentate on some of the events. It was a definite highlight for me during lockdown. Really enjoyed being a part of it. At least we've been able to watch tennis. Uh, and it's been coming thick and fast, hasn't it, with the majors in particular. Um, we've recently had the French Open. All of a sudden, the whole world's talking about a young 19-year-old Pole called Iga Swiatek. Um, I must admit, I, I have to say, I've been, I have been impressed by her. Abigail, is everyone going a little bit overboard, sort of jumping on this and saying, hey, this girl... Admittedly, she's got a huge amount of talent. Yeah, I mean, that, that goes without saying. But is this going to be what some pundits are already saying, that they can already see that this girl could go on and start winning major after major, etc.? Or are we going to start putting too much pressure on her, bigging her up? And is she going to be sort of a one major uh, winner and somebody who struggles to, to, to have that sort of title they're carrying with them? It's a tough one, you know, because on the women's side, particularly, we're seeing a lot of first-time major winners. And Igor Sviantek's run is remarkably similar to Yelena Ostapenko back in 2017. She won her first um, WTA-level title of any kind at Roland Garros. And since then, I think has only won one WTA title quickly in the aftermath. And Ostapenko, as well, is a player who's deeply impressive at her peak. You know, she can wipe players off the court, as we saw when she played Karolina Pliskova at this year's French Open. But, you know, Sviantek said it herself. It's about the consistency. And I think once you, once you know what the challenge is to tackle, I think that's the first step of the journey. And she said it herself has come from her own mouth. It's about the consistency now, because we've seen she's got the level. You know, she just won the French Open without dropping more than five games in any one match. So, you know, the, the firepower she's able to generate with the consistency off the ground as well is remarkable. You know, she's got the depth in her game to mix it up as well and stay unpredictable. As far as the groundwork and the game goes, that's all there. So it's about the mentality and it's about how she handles it. 
And to be honest, I think that she showed that she can mentally handle herself really well during that run. I thought that the final could be tricky for her against Sophia Kennan because, you know, it is you know, a major, major final there. And with Kennan's form at the beginning of the event, that was a match a lot of people were probably going to expect her to win, even though she was the underdog. And she completely took that in her stride. So... As far as overhyping goes and, and you know, kind of getting on board too early, there is always that danger because we've only seen the one title from her so far. But if we're looking at the, the groundwork and the game that she possesses, that's a big time game. You know, everyone struggled with that from Simona Halep, who was tournament favorite right the way down. Everyone that came up against her had a tough time. And her mental game was so on point. You know, the way she composed herself at changeovers, the way she responded when she was broken and jumped straight back in. I think she seems to have it all. And it's just a case of, can she do that week in, week out now? And time will tell. Yeah, I think what I liked about her in that final in particular, Abigail, was the fact of when we had that medical timeout, you know, mm. she, she, she was relaxed you could say wasn't she you know she was just sort of wanted to get on with it there was no she didn't show any nerves or any pressure i mean admittedly there must have been pressure built up inside yeah but you know it, it didn't seem to affect her at all did it yeah, that was a real representation of where she's at. And that's what sealed it for me, the fact that, you know, she probably is going to be a big-time player because even in, those, in that first set, even, there were tricky moments, you know, all in all in a, in a two-set match. She had her serve broken, I think, three times. Um, Kenin is a player that throws a lot of different things out on court you know she changes the strategy if things aren't working she'll throw in the drop shot return just to try and throw your rhythm a bit you know she's a very tricky player to come up against and is also a big match player as well so for Sviantec to take a stranglehold of the big moments and keep bouncing back even when it got tricky that was deeply impressive and I think a, a sign of things to come from her. Yeah well just you know let's hope so obviously you know the last thing you want in any British, whether she's British or anybody at all whatsoever, is the fact that you only hear these players once, don't you? And, mm. and you know, it's, all of a sudden, they people in years to come will say, "Ah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, what, what's she done? Where's she gone, etc." As well. So let you know, fingers crossed for her. But admittedly, congratulations to her. I think you know she thoroughly deserved that by far and away. Yeah, most definitely. Um, David, let's let's talk about the, the men's uh, French. Um, well, what can you say? Raphael, <laughs> king of clay, uh, absolutely outstanding. I mean, he's only ever lost two matches at Roland Garros. I mean, that is a phenomenal record by anybody's stretch of the imagination, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... You can put uh, uh, Rafa up there with a Michael Jordan or, you know, probably in his day at Bjorn Borg, mentally just immense and he always has mentally been extremely good uh i do think that's probably the the best final he's ever played uh i mean that first set was six love 47 minutes i'd love to look up the record books and see if that might be the longest six love set in history because those first few games i mean a point here or there going the other way and uh and that matches may be different uh but uh, it was such an impressive display of relentless focus. Uh, I've, I've not seen that. Well, it's very rare that I've seen that. You know, occasionally you see these things. Uh, I think McEnroe, when he beat Connors in the finals of Wimbledon, 
had like 13 unforced errors. You know, you know, every now and again, you get a match where somebody puts it together like that. I think, you know, Novak in Australia this year, uh, when, when he killed Rafa. Um, and, and if somebody hits a kind of purple like that, and they're such a great player, uh, there's, there's very little you can do. Uh, I don't think uh, in any way that, that Novak played badly. I do think that Rafa was incredibly well prepared. He played inside the court. Uh, he took away the drop shot by, by sort of slow balling his backhand down the line. Uh, so Novak was trying to drop shot from up high, which made it less effective. Uh, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, what I love about Rafa as well is how well he adapts, you know, his game. I mean, you know, he, he actually played uh, uh, more forehands inside the court than any other player in the tournament. You know, and, and, and so he's adapted his game to be much more aggressive uh, and much more up the court. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, there's, there's very little you could say, I mean, as to a, a proven champion over and over and over and over again. Uh, you know, um, and I still think he's probably got a couple more left in him. Uh, which is bad news for the others. But yeah, I mean, I do think it makes the men's game, you know, keeps it extremely interesting because, you know, obviously they all want that final Grand Slam tally record. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, uh, it, you know, that's going to motivate them to keep playing as, as long as they absolutely can, which is great for the game of tennis. Uh, just, just a little word on, on Schweitek, who won the, the ladies. Uh, one of the things I think that, that players struggle with when they win a Grand Slam, kind of not out of nowhere, but pretty much out of nowhere, if it's your first WTA victory or whatever, it's, a, it's quite an amazing feat, is don't forget all the other players look at tapes, coaches get really into it, and, and they start to look at any holes that are there. Whereas in this run, people don't have time and there's a bit of shell shock and, and there's that, that huge fear factor that, that comes. But over, over time, people start to look at the holes and, 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 and start to exploit it and try different things. And that's where sometimes players maybe have to improve again in order to, to, to stay up there. Uh, and, and that's why I think some of them find it difficult after first win. But uh, the, 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 the other thing about it, uh, that is a little different. She came there with a sports psychologist. She's obviously understood the value of the mental side from the very off. Uh, very few players will travel with a, a, a sports psychologist. Uh, and I think that, and the fact that she finished school and everything, I think she's got a real grip on, on, on the realities of, of life. And, and I think that actually gives her a better chance of, of maybe uh, staying up there and going on to, to, to be a great champion. You've raised an interesting point there, David, by far and away, that sports psychologist. Yeah, you're right. She did actually travel with one. Uh, Lizzie, uh, do you use a sports psychologist or is that something that, you know, you would consider to do? Um, in the past, um, I mean, I've spoken a lot with Dave before. Um, obviously, he's a massive part of uh, Team Bath and is instrumental. Um, down there but um my coach i work closely with and is um is really good with the mental side and 
I trust him. So for the time being, I think I'm happy with that kind of relationship um, on that side of things. Um, and I think, I think lots of different things work for different players. I, th I do think obviously at this level, like it is mental. Uh, everyone's fit. Everyone knows how to hit a forehand. Um, some may look funkier than others, but um, I, it, at the end of the day, it's who has that mental grit. And I think whatever way you can get that on court is uh, is individual to yourself. So um, I know Dave's obviously massively um, good at that side of things, and I have had chats with him before and worked with him. Um, but yeah, not the moment. M Maka is my mental coach at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just thinking with you, Lizzie, um, recently Heather Watson made some comments about, obviously, the next generation of British talent. Now, Heather was sort of a little bit criticism about that, saying there was a lack of young British talent coming through. Uh, well, what would be your answer to that? Um, I... I can't say I pay close attention to all that the young talent. Um, I mean, I, locally, I, I think there are a lot of young kids that are getting into it. Like I've seen a lot more 14-year-old um, girls like going out and really passionate, which for me when I was growing up really wasn't the case. I was the one girl with eight other boys on court playing in the rain whereas now like it's majority girls like around Gloucestershire anyway I can't speak to the whole country but mm. which is really encouraging um I do see that there are some really top girls coming up like Radhikanu um who's obviously um a lot in the headlines at the moment um but yeah I, I think there is talent there but I I think maybe we need to broaden our, our horizons and see like what other girls there are not just put all our eggs in one basket necessarily so Abigail what, what would be your thoughts on that yeah I was surprised that the comments came at the time they did sometimes players are put in uncomfortable situations because they're asked a specific question you know by the press and then they have to give their response um, but it, it came like a few weeks after we'd had a battle of the Brits team tennis where we saw a lot of promising young girls on the British scene have the opportunity to to play against the biggest names that we have and to to do really well. I was impressed at the level that was brought across the board. Um, but also, you know, at other events that we had, we had the British Tour, there was also the event at St George's Hill, loads of girls. There, there were names there that I wasn't familiar with that were still able to bring the level the, to duel it out with the better players and it's like what Lissy was saying before about the mentality you know a lot of we have a lot of girls that can play you know and it's just about taking those next steps getting the match wins getting the confidence and I guess it's about giving players the opportunity to do that it's about but like Lissy said you know looking at it broadly more broadly and seeing where the key players are like where can you put tournaments for example that will help them to progress I know a lot of people are all for getting more tournaments in the UK which is easier said than done but you know that's an avenue to look down because we don't have as many kind of ITF level events in the UK as we used to a few years back and that's massive in enabling players to compete at home reduce travel costs etc things that are really important at that kind of level and just kind of bring tennis to their doorstep a little bit more instead of them having to go so far out of their way in order to progress their careers. And I, I think that's definitely an avenue to look at for the future because I, I truly believe the talent is there and maybe the opportunities are just not quite as far spread out as they could be. But 
as far as British tennis goes as a whole at the moment, I think there's significant, significant even talent coming up that hasn't quite been acknowledged properly, I don't think. I do um, want to chime in there. I, I think Abigail's completely right. When you look at domestic tournaments, um, I just feel like if there's a level of support through our federation, the LTA, um, through tournaments, that's just another way that we can keep playing. And of course, like not everyone can be sponsored or have LTA funding. So that's the other way. And I mean, for me, I, I was looking through like my expenses and last year I played a lot more British tournaments. I played British tours and they've put like a lot more money into like the Masters and the Premiers. And for me at 500, I shouldn't necessarily be making a profit. But I did last year because I was I managed to do well at when I needed to be. And I could stay with friends when I was in London playing the hundreds and things like that. So that is a level of like support there. Um, but it is tough. And I think tennis is so tough. <laughs> it is so tough. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it, wouldn't we? Um, so I do think Abigail's on something there. Like, And I think that's why I, it was so amazing to see like that level of uh, competitions put on post lockdown and the level of like live streaming that and exposure that it got because I do think that tennis in this country could be so much more. Do you think you know Heather's coming out with these comments? It was a, a slightly ironic when obviously you know it, it was a bad French Open. It has to be said you know for the Brits, but let's face it. I mean when that draw, the first round draw was made. It wasn't the fact any of them had, had any easy opponents, was it, really? Um, you know, most people would have probably said, well, we'd be lucky if we will get anybody into a second round more than anything. Um, I, I don't entirely agree with, with that. I think, I think Cam Norrie had a really good chance of, of winning. Um, and uh, I, I think Joe Conta had a really good chance of winning. And, and Heather... So I don't I don't agree with that statement. But the fact that you know every match is dangerous, so it's it's quite easy. You know, it's not like a ninety ten. You know, I mean, it's like you know fifty two fifty fifty two forty eight percent chance. You know, I mean, so uh, you know certainly in, in Joe's uh, um, you know given what she did there the year before, you know, you would have made her favorite. But I mean, every match is is dangerous. But just to pick up on the the tournament structure. I mean, it's no, it's no surprise that you're getting a lot more players out of India. You know, you're getting a, a, a huge amount of uh, uh, players out of Italy. Uh, you know, uh, Mexico is starting to get some players. And, and these are countries that are plowing a lot of their resource into a tournament structure that allows their players to pretty much play, you know, at least 30 weeks of the year in their own country. You know, or, you know, or 20, 20, you know, at, at worst. And, and you know, on, 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 as a pro in the UK, you know, really apart from the grass court season, season and, and a few, which excludes, let's be honest, a lot of players, uh, we have so, so few tournaments. And I think what Heather was kind of getting at is, you know, the, the, there's huge expenditure on two academies for young players you know, which is, is, you know, I've been coaching a long, long time and, and <laughs> picking a 14-year-old a is going to make it, 
you know, to top 300, never mind, you know, top 200, top 100. Look, there's always the special players, but they're very few and far between. But for, for just a, 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 a damn good pro to pick that at 14, well, these people have a, a, an amazing crystal ball. And, and whilst these are the best kids for their age at the moment, you know, it, it, it's so early to be really plowing so much resource into young kids. And I think it puts an enormous amount of pressure on them. And, and whereas possibly, you know, you, you can certainly help the best kids, but a lot of that money going into a tournament structure and, 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 and getting exposure like the live stream, which really gets people, you know, in the general population to see tennis that's not named players and, and the, the best in the world and go, oh, wow, you know, you know, these players are pretty damn good. And, and I think if players are going to have any chance of getting a little bit of sponsorship or anything like that, if you can say, you know, I'm on live stream and, you know, you know 5,000 people watch that, you know, 15 times a year, you know, you, you've got something to go to a sponsor with that they're going to get back in return. Whereas right now it's, it's really, really tough going for any, any player, you know, like Liss to, to, to get a sponsor because there's very little you can offer them because the sponsors, if it's not just altruistic, want some kind of exposure. And then if you can't, you know, give them any exposure, it's, it's a really tough sell. Just quickly, we've got a few minutes left. I just want to quickly touch on something David mentioned there about Joanna uh, Conter. I mean, remember, it was only a few years ago. She reached the top 10. She was four, uh, wasn't it, about 2017. Um, Abigail, she's had a huge amount of coaches in the last four years. I think she's on her sixth coach now in the last four years. Uh, where do you think everything's going wrong? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say everything is going wrong in terms of her game and in terms of her results. I mean, yeah, she had a, a bad French Open, mm. but if we look back to last year when she made semis, she'd never won a match at the tournament prior to that. And we've seen with other players as well, Marco Cecchinato, Yelena Ostapenko, when Cecchinato made his semifinals run, hadn't won another main draw match. Ostapenko hadn't won a main draw match prior to reaching the title. So it has proven to be a tournament where if you make a sudden deep run, it is then difficult to back that up. I don't know whether it's the mental pressure or the fact that they hadn't been performing on that surface previously, but I don't think we can take everything from the tournament that has just been. If we think back a few weeks, she made the semifinals in what was known as Cincinnati, but obviously was played in New York, only lost to, I think, Victoria Azarenka, who was in brilliant form. So I think it would be a bit harsh to say that everything's going wrong for concert. Um, a little bit worrying for me at the French was the way she wasn't able to handle the, the Coco Goff situation because she's a player that's been known for her great mentality. That was the basis for her breakout year and I think 2015, 2016. And uh, she made a lot of unforced errors there. She wasn't able to cope with the conditions, the, the different things that Goff was throwing at her. So but for something like that, you know, she's so professional. She will go back to the drawing board and assess things. Uh, she had a consistent year at majors last year. As far as the coaching thing goes, I mean, I can't see inside her mind. I don't know why she'd want to keep changing that up. It would probably be better for her to have something more secure and consistent in place just for her peace of mind. But at the end of the day, it's about Conta herself 
the mindset she brings to the tennis court and we've seen what she can do when she's at top form and uh, I expect to see more good things from her because when she's in a good headspace she's very difficult to put away. Can you see her eventually getting back into that top 10? I mean, she's not so far off. I think she's got the level. Um, you'll see with a lot of players on, on the WTA tour, it kind of comes in swings. So they'll have a good run and maybe go off on a wander and then they'll come back and they'll have another good run. And even since she broke through a few years ago, we've already seen that from Conta. She dropped off for a bit, but then it only takes one or two good match wins and you get your confidence back, you get your focus back and you're off again. So, you know, yeah, you I can mean, list them all. Can you know, you, you can like, commit to that. I mean, yeah, they, there's very few girls recently who've been able to sustain, you know, a Grand Slam winning level, mm. you know, which is, you know, year after year, which is probably why Serena is just so amazing because, you know, for so many years, you just, she was as reliable as the, as, as, as the top three and four guys at, at, at one point, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, semifinals of Cincinnati is not shabby. <laughs> and it's not long ago. So I think, uh, I think, I think she, she's got a lot more to write in her career. Well, let's hope so. Um, Abigail, David, Lizzie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the Big Kickoff Tennis Podcast and talking tennis. Um, we will be back again in a month's time when no doubt there'll be some more wonderful tennis subjects to talk about. Uh, thanks very much for your time. And uh, Thank you. look after yourself and uh, we'll speak to you soon again.